Hey, it's Martin from Nick's UK, and I'm happy to be introducing a Crosstown crossover edition of the podcast this week. Scott and I discuss all things Knicks and Nets with the BK to UK boys, including our respective seasons so far, the upcoming game at Barclays Centre, and we both put questions to each other, which did get a little bit spicy. This one was a ton of fun to record, and I hope you enjoy the pod. Go Knicks! So here we are. It's the Crosstown crossover, uh, a concept uh, rarely seen, uh, especially when it comes to the two teams in question. We've put together in the same virtual room uh, a bunch of Nets fans and a bunch of Knicks fans, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna try and hash out our differences civilly. Uh, we're all gonna try and get along, and I hope we're all friends towards the end of this. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, my name's Matt. Uh, I'm on Twitter at UK Nets fans. Uh, I run. A, I am part of three that run a podcast called BK to UK, which is the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm part of the net of the Nets three that are here. Uh, I'm also here with Cami. Yeah, so I'm the second part of BK to UK's take on the Nets' famous Scary Hours trio. Um, also, do the podcast alongside Matt, and also do it alongside Aiden as well. I'm Aidan. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ask Scott Nets blog. Sorry, always get that wrong. No wonder I've got hardly any followers. Yeah, and I uh, make up the, the third part of the BK to UK pod. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm Martin. I uh, run the Next UK uh, account on Twitter, and um, I'm uh, one member of the Across the Pond podcast, which we do. Uh, I should mention before I transfer to uh, to Scott that uh, we had a game time decision tonight and Carl unfortunately ruled out. Hope you feel better soon, mate. And uh, yeah, we've got Scott as well. Hi, I'm Scott. I, my, I'm on Twitter at NBA UK7 and I'm part of the Across the Pond podcast for the next, along with Martin and Callum, who are missing this evening. So hope you're feeling better soon, Callum. Yeah, ho- hopefully, Carl's just uh, just day to day. Um, we've put it down to DNP, uh, big chicken. So we're gonna we'll, we'll see how yeah. that goes. But so hopefully, he's certainly watching Spurs. I hope they get beat. <laughs> <laughs> so how it's gonna work for the rest of the evening? We're gonna have a little chat about our seasons so far. Um, just sort of summing up how the first half of the season's gone, uh, and obviously we we kind of. Uh, we tend to keep an eye closely on on our individual teams and maybe chat about a couple of under the radar players uh, and where we think we might end up towards the end of the season. Uh, the Knicks actually take on the Nets in Barclays Center on Monday, the 15th of March. Um, so we're going to talk about that game. And then we've got some questions for each other. So we've got three questions each that each side is going to pose to the other. And then we're going to throw it open a little bit to things you've always wanted to ask a Knicks fan and things you've always wanted to ask a Nets fan. Uh, so that's might where it, that's you know maybe where it might get a little bit tasty, um, but on to the season so far um, across the pond. How how I know it's it's been a really really good season uh, for the Knicks so far. How how would you guys sum it up? Yeah, I mean the Knicks have uh, outplayed all expectations. They were ranked by the bookmakers as one of the worst teams in in not only the Eastern Conference but in the NBA, and We've got an all-star on our team. We've got a young draft pick who's who shined, and we've got the draft pick from last year who's been uh, developing, and, and everything seems positive. 
there's there's a variety of reasons for that. I'm sure we'll get into it during the pod, but it seems there's been a culture change. We've got a front office who have been who have been just. Um, it's not even as though they've been out of the box. They've done everything the right way, and yeah, I certainly can't complain. Yeah, I could say Martin. Martin. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised, especially after what we've watched in the last few years. We've started really well. Uh, we're sitting above 500, and it's like, wow, basically. Uh, but no, the team surprised was Julius Randle from last season to this season. He's night and day last season. Most of the Knicks fans, I said, we don't want him back. This season, he's transformed. A lot of credit to himself, but a lot of credit to Tibbs for doing that as well. But the whole team's done really well, especially defensively. We're defending really well, and I just think everything's looking good at the moment, which hopefully it continues. So... Here's hoping we continue forward and maybe finish higher than they expect. Nice. Yeah, I, I want to get it in early that I think you, like Knicks fans, have had to suffer through a lot for a long time. And I have got absolutely no problem with you lot being as happy as you should possibly want to be off the back of the, the start of this season. So, and you, you know, you guys have been long, long suffering. So, like with the videos of, of people like spilling out into the streets, uh, celebrating, getting over 500. I'm, I'm right there with you, especially talking, talking as a Nets fan who obviously we're, we're a couple of years in front of you in terms of that kind of where you guys, I'm sure where you want to be, but you know, Nets fans, we've endured our 20, 20 win seasons in, in recent memory. So we're, we're taking full advantage of in, enjoying what we've got going on now. Um, but talking about this season, obviously it's, We've had a, a big, um, a big free agent uh, sign in, a big roster move. Um, but yeah, how would you how would you sum up the season so far for us? Um, Nets fan lads. Yeah, um, considering the amount of disruption that the Nets have actually had this season, it's not all swings and roundabouts as how it looks from the outside. But the Nets didn't have that great of a first quarter to the season. Um, but now they're obviously sitting a half game off the one seed in the East and finishing the first half with a, an 11-1 and one record. Um, obviously, we've got the big three, which is what everyone thinks of when they think of the Nets at the moment, but we've actually only seen all three of them play together only seven times this year. Uh, so we have seen a lot of adjustments to kind of lineups due to injuries and COVID protocols and things like that. Um, we went from obviously being one of the worst defensive teams in the league um, to above average, which is great because... It was a concern to us at one point, um, and obviously we're kind of breaking breaking records offensively throughout the year. Um, but yeah, it's all about kind of the Nets having the big three at the moment. That's the the big talking point. And obviously we were probably contenders at the start of the season with KD and, Ka- and Kyrie, but obviously with adding James Harden into the mix, it does put us um, as probably favourites to come out of the East and one of the favourites to win it all. So yeah, I can't complain too much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's now kind of at the stage where you could probably say it's championship or bust for the Nets. You know, we're only kind of a few months into the scary hours trail. And as Ed rightly says, a few months ago when it was just KD and Kyrie, that was a duo that could have probably taken you to, to the finals and won, won you the kind of the, the championship. So the fact that we managed to add Harden to that mix has been absolutely incredible. And the way that Harden has come in and managed to adapt his own game. We all know the kind of style of play that Harden had in Houston. It was very heavy ISO ball, him having the ball all the time, chucking up 40 shots a night and baller out every night. But since he's come into the Nets, he's also had to adapt to a new system, new team, new teammates. And there's just been so much he's had to do. But I think the way that he's managed to adapt has been absolutely admirable. We've seen 
some vintage hardened, but we've also just seen some outright, I don't even know what kind of superlatives you could use. He's just been that good, and some of the passing up that's been on display has been impeccable. Just He's able to score it well, and yeah, he's really given the team a boost, and I don't even think the team's fully done yet. I think if we do get a few more roster moves done, it does seem like we will maybe get one or two more in perhaps through the buyout market. I mean, I said it was championship or bust right at the start. I think, depending on those moves, it could really become championship or bust if it wasn't already. Yeah, there's there's been a few good... It's it's so weird. Like, looking back just to have a look at what our season's been like, it feels like so long ago, like, that even KD played for us. But he had... Obviously, he made his return from having last season off. And he was, you know, in that kind of broader MVP conversation, um, picking up exactly where he left off. Harden coming in to take that point guard role off Kyrie's and just unleash him as more of a pure scorer, even though his assist numbers haven't really suffered that much. And I think that one of the kind of key moments for me was that West Coast trip where, you know, like you said, that kind of first quarter of the season was a bit bumpy. And we had that thing where we were losing to teams we should beat and beating teams we should lose to. And then we went on that West Coast trip and it kind of all, all reversed and, and we are where we are now. But yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty epic season so far. I think. It's been has there, has there been any kind of moments from from you Knicks guys? I know it's all kind of been pretty rosy this whole season, but have there been any particular moments that you've been like, okay, wow, things are things are changing for us now? Yeah, I think you know they've had some good wins uh, against the Bucks. They beat Golden State on the road and. They beat the Blazers and had some good games with the Hawks, all of which were, were really competitive in the next game through in the end. The Bucks game, it was a bit of a blowout. But what, what's just been great is not only have we seen Randall develop into probably, and I don't think I'm overstating this, probably one of the top 25 players in the league. I mean, I, I wrote down his numbers. He's scoring 23 points a game, 11 rebounds, five and a half assists. He's shooting 40, 41% essentially from three and a true shooting percentage of 59%. And he's doing that leading what was, as I said before, one of the, what the bookmakers said was one of the worst teams in the league to the fifth seed in the East. And as I say, it, it's very easy to put up empty stats, stats in this league. You've got players who can play for all the different teams, but actually helping create a culture of winning and being the, 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 the you know, the prime focus of the offense and playing even better than we've ever seen him before defensively. So, the moment of the year is watching all these guys buy in, watching the coaching staff work the magic and, and seeing, you know, RJ Barrett had some early slumps with his shooting. Emmanuel quickly has sort of come out, you know, hitting threes and hitting that floater. And as I say, it just, it's all sort of combined into this, you know, it's a defensive team and, and they played really well defensively, but, you're just seeing all these flashes and you see more flashes than certainly we've seen since Carmelo was on the Knicks. So, as I say, the moment it has sort of combined into this first half, we've had games where we've been blown out, but we've had these really tough games where we've come through. Yeah, I can agree with that, Martin. It's just like the team is totally different. Every game we're going to, I don't fear anybody anymore. There has been blowouts, but the players are hitting their shots or defending really well and you can see that the mentality's changed with the squad of players they've got. It's not the heads down like last season. The only, I mean, Randall last season wasn't really passing, wasn't really making many assists. This season he's totally different. He's such a team player that we've spread on the floor. We're just, we're just 
doesn't matter who came in the rotation, they're doing exactly the same job on a person. So you just have to look at Mitch getting injured, and then Noel's come in, and it's like he's doing exactly the same as Mitch was doing. He's got, as we say, he's got a brick for hands right enough on the offense, but defensively, he can he's doing wonders. So everything's been great this season. I have to say, my point this season is when IQ started, I think we weren't expecting much from being 25th pick, and nobody really heard them, especially when he's rated D. Plus. A lot of people were saying that, and then he's going to a team and he's he's still raw, as we all know, and he's got a lot to tell him, but he's just come in with no fear, and he's taking three points for some distance away. He's, he's assists for good, he's all over the court, he's, he gets fouls very easily, he's just done really well for us, and I'm just happy where we we're going. Yeah, I think he's crafty, isn't it? And it, it, yeah. it's one of those where I think there was World Wide West who was the sole support in the front office and the Knicks took a gamble and followed what Kenny Payne and, and some of the, you know, the Kentucky connections, um, what they told the front office and it, it's paid off. He's been, he's been great. A, a real, uh, a real, a real surprise, albeit a surprise in which I don't think the front office was surprised. So as fans, we were surprised. There was, yeah. I went on Twitter and there's a few people who were still on the board who the Knicks should have picked, you know, the, the uh, Bain who ended up going um, to the Grizzlies, I think. And, you know, there was a little bit of uproar with the pick, but you watch him on the floor. It's, 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 it's a young version of Blue Williams. And that, that's what I get from him every time I watch him. Crafty. Yeah. And he just gets buckets as soon as he steps on the floor. But, and do you think with uh, IQ, do you think it's the fact that he doesn't have the pressure on him of being a high draft pick? Because obviously there's so much pressure around certain Knicks players that get drafted. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Kevin Knox. I'm thinking of even going back to Perzingis. That pressure doesn't seem to be on him because he was drafted slightly later on. Do you think that's playing a factor in, the, in how he is being respected by Knicks fans? Yeah, I, I think... I could. It, it's, it's it's you know there's a few there's a few different responses to that I mean the first one is he got snubbed for the 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 um, the rising stars game and you go on his Twitter and the likes was included the names of the rising stars who uh, obviously which didn't include him so it, you can you get a bit of an insight into his mentality and I think he's the last person on the floor if he has a poor night shooting you'll see him in two three a.m. and he's still at MSG or on the road and he's putting up shots and I think that that chip on his shoulder where he didn't really set the college scene alight, albeit he won the SEC Player of the Year. And I think I think it is that that mentality, that chip on his shoulder. He's got all the skill set that you want in the modern NBA. And, yeah, he, he surprised us. And I think part of the reason why he's developed so quickly is because he's willing to put that work in. And you see that, and you see that he takes everything personally. And... You know, that's the kind of player you want. You want a gym rat, don't you? You want someone who takes it seriously, who's who's yeah. who's wanting to learn, who's wanting to develop, and you certainly can't knock him. I think he's got, you see, his mentality is really good. He's confident, but he's got a bit of arrogance, which some players need. Some oh, yeah. players need arrogance because they always think, well, I'm better than him and I'm better than him. And he's got that about him. He's only, he's only young, whereas Kevin Knox is very timid looking. Kevin Knox can shoot. He can do other things well, but... He's timid. He makes he makes a shot and misses. He kind of hides away again. Whereas you've got you look at IQ. He doesn't. He misses a shot and he wants to ball straight away. Making another one. There's a difference when we're watching him. So I think the draft pick will help right enough. Like you said, Aiden, it will help because he's not as high a draft pick. So that's going to be less pressure on him straight away. But I think it's just his mentality and overall confidence in himself rather than anybody else. 
good stuff. Yeah, well, I think no, so, sorry, sorry, Matt. I was just going to say as well. You know, these other draft picks have come into the team, and you know who they had as a supporting cast, and by that I mean a coaching staff. I mean the Knicks from from the top down have been awful for, for, for since <laughs> you know twenty twelve, and you know it, it doesn't help when you have a young player who comes in and he's given the minutes without deserving them. The following year, they you know they sign a load of free agents, a load of vets. And his minutes drop right down and they say, well, you've got to go earn those minutes. Well, these vets are, are, are further down the line in their careers. And yeah, and I know it's the, you know, you get what you, you kill sort of mentality, but um, some players just aren't ready for those minutes straight away. Some people just need time to develop. Some people need the G League. Some people need um, spot minutes where they thrive in a, in a, in a competent offence or, or learn a good defensive scheme and, Kevin Knox, although he's been a disappointment so far under under Tibbs, although his shooting numbers aren't horrific, um, he, he was done a bit of a disservice, I would say, would you, by the Knicks, Scott? He has been there, but like you say, different, he's been under different coaches. I think, I mean, we've thought that would be Frank at the start of the season, didn't we? And then Frank's come in and done really well the last few games. I think what the, what the coaches see in training and what they see away from the arena, it's totally different what we see as fans, so you have to take that into consideration. But I think IQ has just got a different mentality. He's willing to learn. I also think signing Derek Rose was a big help because he's willing to learn for players like that and listen and work with them, whereas some people might not be. So, yeah, nice. It, it seems like you've finally got that kind of nice mix between young, raw talent that's kind of willing to be molded but also showing flashes of competence. But then you've got Derek Rose in who is still productive but also willing yeah. to pass on that sort of knowledge which i think you've yeah. maybe struggled with over the years but um but we have got a game like it means the iq reminds me of Kyrie with arrogance he's he's at that arrogance about him whereas it doesn't matter what people say about him i know he's only young but he just gets on with it like Irvin does with the nets and his other teams he's played with he just gets on with it he makes the buckets he makes the plays he doesn't care what anybody says and he's got that bit about him which i like yeah, you, you always got to love that little bit of grittiness. But um, yeah. we have got a game coming up Monday. So we're recording on Thursday, uh, the 11th of March. We've got another, we've got a couple of games to play uh, before the uh, the Battle of the Burrows, uh, which tips off at midnight, uh, UK time at Barclays Centre. The last time the teams um, met, uh, the Nets won that one. Um, it was the first game after the Harden trade. So the Nets were still kind of reeling from missing out on missing Levert and Jarrett Allen. But it was one of those nights where KD just showed out 26 points, six assists, two blocks in 30 minutes after a back-to-back. And the team shot 40% from free in a, in a pretty convincing win, I have to say, lads. Uh, what are your thoughts from a Knicks point of view coming into, coming into this one against the Nets? Last time, I think we were without both Bullock and Burks. And again, I don't use that as, a, as an excuse, but missed some size on the wing. So you had, you know, Bullock's probably one of the Knicks' best friend, def- defensive players on the perimeter. And he would no doubt have had the KD assignment. And again, it's KD. 
do not come after me. I'm not saying that Reggie Bullock would have shut down KD. What you're saying is, Martin, Reggie Bullock would have locked him down and the Knicks would have won. That's what you're trying (laughs) to say. No, no, no. You know, the difference between the two teams was was, was KD. I mean, KD was on a depleted Nets team. The Knicks shot shot poorly. Um, I must admit, I've chosen to uh, promptly forget this game. I don't know about you, Scott. What game is that again? <laughs> <laughs> no, K- KD was on fire that night. So when he's on fire, he's a very hard player to stop. It doesn't matter if you put, even put two on him, he's still a hard player to stop. So I agree with Matt. The Knicks were blown out that night. But to be honest with you, come Monday, I don't think they'll get into a game uh, like terrified. Uh, they were going to a game looking forward to it. Obviously, you give the Knicks respect because the players they've got. But they're going, they'll give their all and we'll see what happens. The problem that the Knicks have is that they don't have a seven-foot all-star. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't have Embiid, we don't have Jokic, a player who probably would. Pick them off. <laughs> oh, don't don't talk about that snake. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, quite 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 literally, we 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 don't have that that player who's going to expose the Nets's um, you know weakness. And the Knicks probably don't have enough to stop that offensive juggernaut. Albeit they're a scrappy team, and uh, Barclays always feels like a home game. So, yeah. all good. What about you guys? Uh, what, what from the Nets side? How are we how are we going to dismantle this uh, these noisy neighbours? I mean, I think looking back at that last game, obviously we spoke about KD's kind of influence on it, and I think the thing from that game that stood out was the fact he'd matched. Uh, Bernard King's franchise record of eight consecutive games of 25-plus points. That And it was just, obviously, he came in off the back of the injury. We weren't all that sure how he'd do, and he's just been absolutely outstanding. Of course, he's had injury problems of late. There's still a lot of uncertainty surrounding whether he'll be back soon or, or not. The Nets are known for the kind of caution with the kind of injuries, but this just kind of getting a bit worrying, I don't think. The Nets are hiding anything. I don't think he's any more injured than he was previously, but it does kind of seem like the Nets are taking it a bit fun. You'd kind of like to think he'll be back for the game, but I don't think it is. I think the, the word on the kind of socials was that he's got a test kind of next week, so that, that would rule him out of that uh, the game next week if he, if he does indeed have that test. And It's a real pity because you want to see the best players play in the games and especially in games against your rivals. It's typically the games where all the players bring their A game. And I mean, I think if if there's any game you can't get kind of up for, well, I'm saying you can't get up for, you've got to get up for the derby. I think it's impossible not to. And yeah, going back to the kind of previous game, obviously we had nine players available that night. I think we, we Nets fans were all a wee bit worried about kind of the lack of rotation. We had very little in the way of depth and yeah, seven of the nine players that night got into double figures. DeAndre Jordan, actually, like DeAndre Jordan again, up until that point, he'd been terrible, very lethargic, and just hadn't done much, but he just seemed like a man possessed against, obviously, his former employers. And that game, obviously, gave the Nets a kind of New York derby record since we moved to Brooklyn. We've now had 17 wins to the next 16, and very nearly actually have the outright record kind of in the history of both franchises. I think there's maybe only a win or two between us. So depending on how things go this season, if we maybe end up meeting in the playoffs, we could we could kind of become the outright kings of New York, which I think we already are anyway, but you might disagree. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, for this one, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that night, 
um, back in January. DeAndre Jordan just seemed like he had something against the Knicks. I'm not sure what it was, but yeah, he was ready to go out there and just play hard. But yeah, um, in terms of this one on Monday, I was buzzing when I saw the schedule and saw that it was going to be really, really soon. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing a healthier Nets, as Cammy mentioned. I think we were one player... If we had one player less at that last game, we would have had to forfeit just because we wouldn't have had enough players to play. Um, so, yeah, considering we won that one, it was not many of us were expecting it just because there were so many things going through with obviously Jared Allen and Karis Avert going one way, James Harden trying to come the other way. It was just a bit of a strange night altogether. So to get the win, we were absolutely buzzing. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, the Knicks on that night, you boys will probably agree with me, weren't actually in their finest form. Obviously, you mentioned about Reggie Bullock not being there. They weren't shooting that great, which probably helped us a wee bit. But So I'm looking forward to seeing a healthy Knicks playing a healthy Nets. Um, healthy Nets, because we don't know if we're going to have our full team, but we'll wait and see. Um, really excited. Obviously, you guys mentioned Julius Randle earlier. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Nets match up with him. He's playing really well at the moment. He didn't play great against the Nets the last time. Um, I've always liked Randall as a player. I kind of tend to see correlations between Randall and the Knicks and D'Angelo Russell and the Nets back in the day. So, like, that kind of one all-star that's leading the team. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we deal with him. Um, in terms of the game, I do think the Nets will probably win this one reasonably com comfortably. I just think with how many points the Nets are scoring on an average basis at the moment, the Knicks can't compete with that firepower. Um, however, I think it will be a fun game um, and uh, hopefully there's plenty of talking points after. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. The Knicks always seem to get up for it as well. With even like you can, you can be on the best run of form ever, but the Knicks always seem to get up for this Nets game. Um, and, you know, you can completely understand why. And um it will probably be said a couple of times on this pod that, you know, I think a, a healthy New York derby um, would be best for everyone, I think. And if, if we make that a real, real rivalry, um, as much as I would love to beat you by 200 points every single time we play you, I think it would make a better, a better watch for the neutral if it was a, a little bit more finely balanced. Obviously, the thing about this Nets team is as long as we, as, as much as we've got that scary hours trio, you know, if if the, the main game plan is to stop those guys, we've got a whole host of people that can actually hurt you um, if it's not these guys. Um, I think Cammy's Cammy's got a little bit to say about that. Yeah, I do. So, so there's a, a fair few players. I think the Nets depth is, is perhaps underrated in the league. We do have plenty of depth, and with the addition of Blake Griffin, that's only got the, the team's only got deeper in with the kind of roster moves I've discussed earlier. The team can get deeper yet still when. I mean, that's a very scary prospect when you've already got three of the kind of top scoring players already in the league in your team. You can't really imagine things getting much better, but obviously they can't play every single minute of every night. We know Kyrie and KD have had lots of injuries. Harden will obviously need rested at some point. So there are other players we'll need to call upon. One man who has certainly went a bit under the radar, I think, in the league and a player who's taken all the DK to UK boys by complete shock is Bruce Brown now. Brown may only be about 6'4", 6'5", but he's seen some usage as a small ball five, despite the fact he's naturally a guard. And, I mean, when you see a guy that small going in at centre, you're, you're kind of panicking, but Bruce Brown is just a pest. I think that's the best way to kind of describe him. He came in, described himself as a defensive dog, and we've seen Bruce Brown come up on some really big games. I, a 29-point game, a career high for him against the Kings a few weeks back. And then in that previous game between our two sides, he had a 14-rebound game 
and also added 15 points that night. And Brown, I think, not a player who will maybe jump out to you on the stat sheet every night or the player who will always jump out to you when watching the game, but certainly a player who can make a valid enough contribution, whether he's starting, whether he's coming off the bench. And yes, he's not going to always manage the kind of 29 points a night, but Brown is a player that I think it would be fair to say every player could do with. Just having that person who, as I say, is a complete pest, is... Defence is, is the kind of main selling point for him. That's what you want. He's, he's always on his man. And I think the the word at the time was he's a defensive barnacle. So, yeah, I, I think you can completely agree with that. Another player that I can't not shout out is Mr. Joe Harris, Joey Buckets, a player who is one of the leading three-point scorers in the league this season. And if you're needing a man to get you a bucket, well, who, who better to call than, than Joey Buckets? Definitely. Have you guys got any kind? I know we kind of touched on IQ and and stuff like that. Have you got any kind of under the radar players that are kind of sneaky good that um, people that haven't been paying particular attention to the Knicks might not have heard of? Uh, who you've not heard of? Um, mm. I mean, Burks. He's been in in and around the league for for, for some time. He started off the year on on fire and he was hitting everything. He's he cooled off a bit, but on that second unit, he's he's been putting up a some decent points. I think I think Derek Rose is is the one. Like everyone knows MVP D Rose. Um people really didn't don't remember um old Nick Rose who was um yeah he was a completely different player. He was um getting looking to to get his own shot. He's looking to get the sort of rim, not looking to get anyone else involved. Um and the new the new Rose has those tendencies still. He still penetrates, still gets in the paint. He's a far better shooter than, than Alfred Payton, who's starting, who gets killed by Knicks fans, and uh, rightly so on some occasions. But he's been he's been pr- pretty good of late. Um, but the one thing that Derek Rose has changed in his game is he loves to get everybody else involved, particularly on the second unit. There's a marked difference when Obi Toppin plays with Alfred Payton than when he plays with uh, with Derek Rose. And I um, was a naysayer. Um, I'll admit that I wasn't sure whether or not D Rose was the type of player the Knicks should have gone after, and um, as an AC, I was uh, I was put in my place by uh, by D Rose. Scott, who else do you think on the roster has been quietly very good and underrated? I think Frank's coming back will maybe surprise you because Frank Martin has actually come back in the last few games and played really well. I mean, he's had oh, a few buckets, hasn't he? Yeah, and his defense is really good. He's only played for like what King guard three players at one time. No, Frank's a very underrated. He was, he was out for a while. It looked like he might be getting traded. I've heard tons of rumours that he might be getting traded. But as you yourself, Martin, and we all love Frank. We want him to stay. And I think given our games, Frank can do a really good job for us. So obviously, you look at an H roster, you look at our roster, there's a big, big difference. And it should blows away, to be honest with you, with our offensive scoring. But you can never say never. We'll, we'll go out Monday night. We'll give it our best shot. The players are only going to back down. Like I say, the yacht are young lads are full of confidence. They don't play with any fear. So we'll see what happens. But it should be an entertaining game. Anything Biggest can surprise. happen in the sorry. NBA. That's right. Oh, sorry. Go on, Martin. No, I'm just surprised, Matt, that we got into about 40 minutes when uh, it took 40 minutes to mention Bruce uh, Brown and um, and Joey Bucket. <laughs> what, uh, what's going on? I thought this was a stan account. <laughs> a bit more measured, you know. We, you know, like we like to be a little bit more sort of on a level. But you know, if you if you want me to talk more about Joseph Malcolm buckets, then I will, I will happily. Um, but I think I think that's enough pleasantries 
for for the for this evening, lads. I think we should get into. Um, I've, I almost see this as like NBA fans anonymous, where this is a safe space <laughs> to ask questions about this other team because you know we're we're similar. We like New York basketball teams, but we're different. So I think this is an opportunity to kind of you know that meme where you've got like the the Bloods and Crips uh, handkerchief knotted together, and the guys are just like. You know, put that. <laughs> let's all get along. Um, we, we, we've come, we've gone away, and we've come up with um, three questions per side that we're going to pose to each other. Um, the first one was going to be t- from Cal, but um, obviously he's I, unable to join us today. So who's who's going to take that one on? Yeah, I'll I'll take that one. Yeah. Um, actually, no, I'm I'm going off my color coded. Question sheet, well, Scott. <laughs> I apologise. It's your well, go. Mine doesn't colour code, Martin. Mine's just all blue. So I don't know who's is who. Are you on Windows uh, 95 over in Scotland? <laughs> <laughs> We're still on, we've still only got Channel 4 here. Uh, <laughs> as Callum's question was, are you worried that the Nets have mortgaged your, uh, Marks have mortgaged your whole future on three players coming towards the end of a prime? So, so I'm taking this one, and it's it's something that obviously we've discussed um, on BK to UK a lot, especially when when the trade obviously because it was a really really drawn out affair when we were going to trade for James Harden and and when we were talking about what likely packages were, then that is basically everyone everyone that's not called Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or DeAndre Jordan was on the table, um, but in short, I'm I'm not worried. I don't think that's the right word, um, but of course I was disappointed to see them go. Um, them being Karis LeVert, um, Jarrett Allen, uh, Torian Prince and Rodion Tkurutz, um also left. Um, and they were kind of both a big part of the last couple of seasons for the Nets. Um, but now that trade has meant we've got a two-year window to make a really, really good go at winning a chip. And those are exactly the kind of moves that you want to see your front office make. I made a point when it happened that like, if you don't make these kind of moves, obviously we were, the Nets were in a really kind of nice position where we were kind of, we'd expect to make the playoffs. Um, We've got a team full of people that we've drafted um, that were all fan favorites that were all doing like playing really, really nice basketball, but we had, we had a ceiling. Um, so I, I kind of made the comparison to if you don't make moves like these that make you kind of feel uncomfortable, you end up being a team like Portland, who are a great team, but they're never really that kind of upper echelon, really pushing for a title. But they've got people, you know, you've got your Dame Lillards and your CJ McCollums who are fan favourites and absolute like sort of legends in, in their own sort of backyard. But you know, you, you've you put the question in three players coming towards the end of their prime. I say they're in their prime, which is mm. the, the other way to look at it. Um, you know, I think it's to get three, two absolute, you know, two former MVPs, uh, three all NBA caliber players in their prime on one team doesn't happen. So to make those, you just kind of have to make those moves. Um, and obviously the way that, especially James Harden, who I was, who I went on the record as saying, you know, especially with all the shenanigans in Houston, I was like, ah, he's obviously a bit of a bit of a drama queen. He's a bit of a 
bit of a head case and, and is he the right fit for this Nets team? And I've been proven absolutely categorically wrong. Um, couldn't be happier that he's here. I think he, this is the best James Harden we've seen. Um, the kind of the numbers that he's putting out so consistently, his court vision, his passing, the way he makes everyone around him better um, has just been astonishing. You put that next to Kyrie Irving, who is quietly having, you know, one of the most efficient um, scoring career, uh, seasons of his career. Um, obviously, KD, who we've not seen for a little while, but before he went down, he was, you know, in those MVP conversations, as I was saying, averaging almost 30. Um, but yeah, to, to really compete, we like before the trade, we said that Karras would have to take that leap up to be all-star level. Jarrett Allen would have to somehow leapfrog uh, DeAndre Jordan in the rotation so that there were always questions even with that kind of team that we did have about making that steps and you know if we did this and if we did this and if we did that we could maybe get to the level where we're contending after where we stand now we are absolutely in contention to win a chip so as, mu as much as I and, and the future kind of be as it may I think we'll, we'll it's almost we'll cross that Brooklyn Bridge when we come to it like do you know what I mean where let's not well let's worry about the future when we need to but this team has always been very good at finding diamonds in the rough and um, reclamation projects and even if you look past the big three you've got Bruce Brown like you've said uh, Joe Harris is under contract for a little while Nick Claxton who's a kind of four small ball five um, super athletic um, forward who's who's really exciting um, and we've got another, you know, a number of other young players that are coming through that, you know, should the big three chip off afterwards, um, you know, I think that still stands us in good stead. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm still doing all right. But let's, let's worry. Let's one of one of my esteemed colleagues said on the on the latest pod that we need to remember that it, it's night. It, it would be good to know that you're in the good old days. You know, when you look back on memories and it's like, oh, I really wish I appreciated like that the time I was in when I was in it. These are the good old days that we need to remember. So we're, I'm just all about the now, all about the present. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about the future when it, when it needs to, when it needs to happen. But, um, but it's actually my turn to ask a question now of, of the Knicks fans. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure who's going to answer this, but, why do some Knicks fans believe there's a player out there that should revive Knicks basketball? Why doesn't that responsibility sit with the organization? Because I think you can, you kind of hear, and obviously I'm not going to tar all Knicks fans with the same brush, but there's a lot of chat with like free agency and saying that people are scared to come to New York. They can't handle it. And, you know, you need to be that guy. So, so what do you guys make of that point? I'll tell us when Martin, you can take the next two. Yeah, go for it. I think so much. I think that a lot of fans, as you know yourself, a lot of fans, especially in the one instance, 73, is always about a, what he pushed for stuff constantly. We've seen it with the mellow trade and stuff like that. But I think the game nowadays has changed in the NBA. It's marketed, it's marketed around individual stars. So it's fans, next fans, every team's fans become obsessed we getting fans so they can go on to get a trip, like you said, because you need a stars in your team to basically win a championship. You can't really do it without any stars. 100%. But, but a lot of the stars the Knicks have went for 
they may have they may have came to the next, but as you know yourself, for us for years the next haven't been a well run organisation. And the stars know that better than we do. That's why they don't go there. They might be getting the same money they get elsewhere, but they want to win something. And I'm, I'm not going to go to an organisation where they see in the background behind the scenes, this isn't well run, it's not great, I don't want to be here. So they maybe pick elsewhere, maybe like KD pick the Nets and the other players. I mean, I know Anthony Davis at one point wanted to come to the Nets, but they, they didn't, they couldn't do the deal. So I just think in general, we need to get behind the scenes running properly before we can get the team in the court running properly. And I think looking just now, we seem to be heading that way. It may be slow, it may be not as quick as other teams, but we're heading that way. And I'd rather take our time heading that way. And done we've done with Melo. When we traded for Melo, we gave up so much to get him. And he came to the next, and there wasn't a lot of pieces around about him at the time. There was, I know J.R. Smith was there, and we had other players there, but there wasn't enough to take on it. We got to one playoff, and we got beat with Boston. And that was about it. So, I think, in general, the fans need to sometimes take a step back, especially fans nowadays. I'm obviously a bit older, so I've seen basically crap to up to that. So I can appreciate both sides of it. But younger fans expect more. I just think it's a new generation social media. Everything's done a lot quicker these days. So they want everything yesterday, basically. And I just think sometimes you kind of get that, especially when you're a fan of a sports franchise, especially when it's run with James Dolan. So we're just going to have to take our time and just hopefully we've got the coach in place. I know Tibbs is a fair age, but he seems to be doing things well. Leon Woods is there. There's other staff here, Kenny Payne's here. So hopefully they can get things in order. I hope they don't go and make a big draft pick at this time. Because we've got picks we've not had for years. We've got cap space that we've not had for years. So maybe next season we can make a push and try and get a star, try and build, put players around about them. But this season, I'm just contended with gradually growing, not being a force, but being a team that teams will come and play. We're not going to destroy the Knicks anymore. We're not going to laugh at the Knicks anymore because we're in a game in the Knicks. We might not win every game because we won't, but we won more than we did for a while. So I'm happy with that progress we're making at the moment. So Hopefully next season we can make a wee bit more progress more. Like you say, Rome isn't built in the day, especially in New York next. It can be very slow at times, so I'm just happy with progress from making. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's no no skipped steps was was the motto for when obviously the our so I think our GM Sean Marks has just celebrated his fifth anniversary when he took over that that 20 win team with no picks after that Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade. And yeah. his whole motto was, you know, slow and steady, no skip steps and they've got a lot to do. So, you know, fingers, you know, that's, that's one blueprint to, uh, to follow. But um, as you said, just self, when you look at an next organization behind the scenes, it's run really well. The next haven't been, and that's a difference. If behind the scenes run well, the players in the court run well, but you can't have, you can't have one without the other. That's the way I look at it. That's it. Martin, I believe you're up next. Yeah, with um, three egos in this Nets, big three. If the Nets uh, are down one with five seconds left on the shot clock, uh, I'm interested to see who you think takes the final shot. But actually, who should take that shot? Sure, I'll I'll, uh, take this one. And I think the... Easy answer would be one of the scary errors trio, but I think there's a lot more to it than just just that. And I think it, it, it's entirely a situational thing and depend on matchups, the opponent, and so who's playing, what we've already said about their injuries. And yeah, they might not always be available, but if they always are available, you'd, you'd imagine 
that one of them will be one of the primary targets. Maybe Kyrie will be the one who inbounds the ball, so that just leaves both Kyrie and uh, sorry, KD and Harden there to, to take that shot, if you like. But at the same time, opposition teams are going to be on them if all three of them are out there. And I mean, I think that would be a good tactic for the Nets because the opposition team, they'll be focusing on them. They'll know almost certainly that's where the ball's going to go, so it could also free someone else up. We've seen KD and Kyrie both miss kind of game, game-winning shots or shots that would kind of push us into overtime in the final few seconds. We've not quite seen James Harden get that chance yet. And, I mean, I think I'd certainly fancy Harden's chances of hitting that shot. I'd say the same about both Kyrie and KD. Of course, they've missed shots, but they've had plenty of game-winners in the past. So not every player is going to sink every game-winner or tie in like Bucket or, or anything like that, it, it happens. Um, we did see, quite interestingly, in one of the games, I can't recall which one exactly, but Timothy Luau Cabarro, a player who I don't think anyone would want taking that last shot, kind of getting that last chance. And, yeah, I, I think that was the kind of indication as a situational thing. I'm sure it was Kyrie who inbounded the ball. KD was completely clamped up, double teamed, so we have to do something... TLC got himself free and granted he missed the layup, but it shows that the team have confidence in, in the kind of rest of well their teammates. Obviously, we've seen the the comments regarding Kyrie and a uh, kind of LeBron James, well, kind of the swipe at LeBron James saying, oh, I've not had someone who can shoot the shot kind of like that. But I mean, presuming all three are sitting on the court, as I say, I'd want it to be one of them, but we've already spoken about him. And the person I'd like to actually see take the shot is Joey Buckets. And purely for the fact that we've seen him go from strength to strength since Harden's come in, he's got even better. And when kind of two or all three of scary hours are on and Harris is on, the amount of open looks Harris gets is incredible, especially for a player as kind of lethal as him. So, I mean, yeah, I think the easy answer for this one is it's situational, but you would want to see one of the scary hours field take it. Which which of those scary hours three game on the line chip chip on the line? I want this guy to get his shot. Who are we having? If you're holding a gun to my head, I'd say Harden. Um, yeah, Harden. Right. Yeah, I, I just fancy Harden for some reason. Obviously, I think with him having played ISO ball in Houston for so long, kind of been the guy. Whereas like KD's obviously played with Steph and Clay, and then Kyrie's with LeBron and Cleveland and stuff like that. Whereas Harden's mainly been the guy in his own team for so many years now that you just kind of think, right, he's going to know this. He knows he's the one that's taken that shot. He'll have done it plenty of times in Houston. He'll have always been the one taking it. Whereas Kyrie and Katie weren't always the folk taking that shot. Of course, they can do that. But yeah, I think I'd go for Harden, obviously, his ability to, well, I'm saying his step back ability is unstoppable. You just see some, the best defenders in the world will try and stop him and he just somehow manages to shimmy away and just the, the range he gets on some of the setbacks is incredible to get that tiny bit of space to get the shot away. So yeah, Harden would be would be my pick. I don't want to cause civil war in the Nets fandom, but boys, do you agree? Harden, I've got strong views on this. I, th- I, I think KD every uh, night, I want him with the ball in his hands and putting up that shot. What do you think? Yeah, Kevin Durant, best shooter of all time. I see historically I've always said give it to the guy that's seven foot one and can shoot and releases the ball at about 13 foot but Cammy makes an excellent excellent point about mm. it's been James Harden's bread and butter for nine years in Houston yeah yeah, yeah. give 100%. it to the guy who's been doing it the whole for a decade but 
yeah, it's definitely an embarrassment of riches we've got uh, with with the game on the line. Yeah, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not killing Harden, but the major criticism of Harden when he's been in Houston is the game on the line. And mm. in the playoffs, in game four, um, or game seven, depending where it is in the series, he's come up short. And and I, I'm not saying Harden played with the you know the same calibre of player whilst he's was on the Rockets. Oh, but I think it's a little bit disrespectful to um, some of the, the players that the Rockets have had. But, you know, just aside, I think um, KD, it, it, how can you guard that that dude? I mean, I, I hate the guy. I don't really know. Um, I heard you call I mean, him a snake in your last podcast, mate. Don't think we Yeah, were so, did I. so did I. I don't think we're going to get to that, Martin, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hell yeah. Martin, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to. I mean, g- genuinely, he's he's one of the greatest defensive players that you will ever see on the floor. He moves like a guard, and he's the size of a big. And there isn't a shot that isn't in his repertoire. And I just don't see game on the line. There's anyone in that Nets team. Who, who I would rather, who I would trust over over KD. And the only reason why I asked that question was just because there's been, you know, there were there were some mutterings about egos between, you know, Kyrie and, and previous teams and him being, uh, you know, a bad influence. And you, you hear all these different rumours, all of it probably nonsense. But I just wondered if if there was any difference. And, it's, you know, there clearly is. You know, you, you, as you said, you've got an embarrassment of riches. You've got three really good offensive players. You're an offensive juggernaut. And we're not even talking about, um, you know, Joe Harris. We're not even, we're not even, I mean, I know uh, Cammy did, but it's, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's strange, really, that, you know, you've got a guy in Harden and I'm sort of discrediting him a little bit. And, and I'm only doing that because of just the, the, the calibre of player on that Nets team. And it's not a Nets loving at all, but it's just, I don't know. It, I, 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 that's why I think they'll win the East. I think there are holes in the team, but I just think defensively, you've just got three guys who you could make a compelling argument either way to take that final shot. I've got a strong feeling it should be KD. Cammy says hard, and I no doubt you'll, you'll get in with other Nets fans and they'll be, give it Kyrie. You know his, mm. his his stats this year. His shooting numbers are incredible. Sorry, you, your your next jersey's in the post, Martin. Don't worry, mate. Um, <laughs> what's uh, who's, who's up next? I think. No, it's me up next to to grill the next boys. And my question is: also, we spoke about KD and Kyrie quite a bit there. Two players who the Nets landed in free agency, and prior to landing at the Nets, there were obviously murmurings that they were maybe going to head to the Knicks. And as always, the Knicks fans get their hopes up, we're going to sign every free agent, we're going to get all the big names and they completely flopped. Now this isn't the first time they've missed out on kind of the big names, obviously Scott you'd mentioned Anthony Davis, um, obviously not a free agent, but just kind of big name players, but especially in free agency, the Knicks just don't seem to get them. Why Why do you think that is? Why, why do they never end up actually going to, to the Knicks? Is it due to the recent history of the team? Diplomatic answer to start with. A head answer. Scott mentioned before the Knicks from the top down have been dysfunctional. Uh, they've made questionable hires, whether it be a coach or in the you know coaching staff or questionable hires in the in, in the front office. They've made poor trades. 
they've uh, acquired people in free agency on on terrible contracts. None of the players have been complimentary. We've we've seen that for a number of years, and what what that's done is, and I can see why a player wouldn't want to, and excuse the pun, jump through hoops to sign for the Knicks. Um, that said, and this is hard answer, and Scott may disagree. I know he went; it was a little bit different opinion when he answered the earlier question. I do think the NBA has gotten a little soft. Um, it was something that, I don't know if you listened to the Woj pod, any of you, but Carmelo said it in, in his interview with Woj recently. Um, there used to be an acceptance that a franchise was that player's franchise and that they would do everything to maximise that franchise and there would be none of this, you know, meeting up at All-Star break and secret handshakes or teaming up with, with, with a rival team and the reason why it gets me so hurt this is because it's it's New York City it's a city and you know I'm, I'm presuming that we, we we've all been if not uh, you know you, you can feel it through the broadcast and when you, you're on Twitter it's it's a city that's that bleeds basketball with the Knicks fan base as fanatical as any in the league and all that they crave is good basketball and a team that's going to go out there and put everything out there on the floor. It's the perfect opportunity for a player who's got a set of stones, who wants to create a legacy that hasn't been that player who's wanted to step up. And and, and again, Scott, you, you were right before when you said, I, I can see it. You know, when you look at it, the perspective, the Knicks have been a car crash for some time, but it's New York. That There's a buzz when the Knicks are good. You mean the Knicks are barely 500 and ESPN have got, the coverage is immense. It's crazy. You know, you've got everyone talking about the Knicks and it's, it, you know, they're a middle of the road team. Again, I'm not, I'm not having a go, but we've not done anything yet. And, and I think the Knicks are a team that just, if they, if they get that player, if they get something on the court, that the city will be buzzing. Um, the, the TV ratings. I'm not. I'm not. You know, this isn't a next daily account. We're not going to be talking about them. And I, I do genuinely feel that it's about to change. The Knicks are attractive once again, and I and I do think that in the next twelve months, if you believe Windhorse, that there is going to be that that player who does either force his way to the Knicks or, or the Knicks land in free agency. Question: I told to ask you so this year. Probably next year as well, probably, is it ultimately you've won a championship or is it bust as in after a year or two? If you don't win a championship, what happens then? Yeah, I think if you're looking at it over uh, the next couple of years, it would definitely be a bust. I mean, in terms of kind of the Nets' aspirations over the next two years, the goal has to be to get a championship this season and probably next season and anything else would be disappointing. I mean... In terms of bust this year, I mean, it's it's not as if we'd kind of explode everything if we if we were to lose this year. I mean, I'd say the Nets have at least given themselves a two-year window of winning it all. Uh, and as we have our kind of big three and some very good role players kind of under contract for this year and next season, then I'd say we've kind of set ourselves up quite nicely to, to at least compete very heavily, if anything. I um, also think it's very unlikely that the, all of the, the big three, if you call it, decide to, I'd say it's very unlikely that they all decide to go elsewhere at the end of their deals, which should extend our window even further, even if we tend to keep two of them. 
I mean, I was thinking about this question. I think in terms of kind of, if you look at a team like Toronto Raptors, if you were to go back to them and say, was trading for Kawhi for that year and winning that championship worth winning the championship? Like, like if in terms of, was it worth winning that championship for giving up your future for that? And I reckon you could probably ask every, every Toronto fan and they would say yes. Um, because let's face it, they're probably in a rebuild situation now, but they've won the championship. They can be happy. They've had the parade and whatnot. But in terms of the Nets, I'd say that if you were to ask the majority of the fans and the team, would they be disappointed if we didn't win a championship this year? And the answer would be yes. I mean, I personally think the Nets are the favourite this year. So there'd definitely be questions asked if they didn't win it all this year. And I think there'd be even more questions asked if they didn't win a championship next year, because I'd say because it's a relatively kind of newly assembled team, it's going to only continue to get better. And I'd say our chances next year are probably stronger than winning this year. And I'm very confident this year. So it just, I think if we were, it just depends on what happens in kind of free agency and stuff next year. But I'd say the Nets are definitely the favourite this year. So yeah, a championship or if we don't win a championship, anything else would be disappointing. To be honest with you, you are the favourites. You've been for being a contender, the favourites with the moves you've made. So you are the favourites for the trip, you know what I mean? So I think if you don't want it, you will be disappointed, especially if it's next season as well. And Andre yeah. Drummond's coming as well, right? So we, we used to, we're not even reached our final form. Are you doing some money London deals there? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think, yeah, next question is mine, actually. I, I, Scott, just going on from what you were saying earlier, I really liked what you were saying about the kind of progress that the, the Knicks are making. Personally, I think uh, you made all that room for free agency last year, but you weren't actually in a position to get the free agents because the team didn't have the success. Whereas if you had that money next year, you would be in the position because of how well you have done this year. So I always kind of look at what Matt mentioned earlier in terms of Sean Marks' five-year plan. And in terms of the kind of aspirations that the Knicks have over the next three years, what do you think you guys actually need to do to compete again? I think we've just got to keep progressing like we've done at the start of this season. I think this season surprised a lot of people. It's probably surprised a lot of Knicks fans more than it surprised people outside the organisation just because of where we started, ended last season and came to this season. So it's been a big turnaround. I know at the start of the season, a lot of Knicks fans were complaining about head coach. Was it Kane Atkinson? Was it Tibbs? Was it else, somebody else? And I always wanted Tibbs in because I think it makes you hard to beat first and foremost. And I think we had to be hard to beat. Because last season we were getting blown out very easily. I mean, a lot of games last season I turned them off very before the end because there wasn't a point in watching it. No, because I wanted to go to my bed, which I probably did at that point. But the, we were finished. The game is like an show after the second, third period. So I was just saying, that this season we're harder to beat. And you can see that mentality of players coming for the coach. And you hear how like, Randall talks about Tibbs and other players are talking about Tibbs and Martin mentioned Derek Rose coming in. How he's took young guys to say like Obi and IQ and Frank. So I think people from outside can see that, see a wee bit of change of mentality in the organisation. With Kenny Payne there, with Leon Rose here. Leon Rose has got a lot of contacts. So I think it's looking good for the future. We've still got some cap space. We've got a lot of picks, as in first and seconds coming up, depending on how Dallas do. We don't know where we're going to pick. Obviously, a lot of rain stuff. So I think the future at this moment in time has probably been the brightest it's been for a while. As for the next three years, your guess is as good as mine because it's the next at the end of the day and 
things can look very bright, but it can suddenly turn very dark as well. So I'll take the good as long as we get it, and hopefully it keeps going a lot longer than it has been in the past. Like I say, 2012-13 has probably been the last bright light for us, so I'll just keep hoping, keep supporting for a distance. I like this question a lot because I think it raises a, a question in terms of roster construction. Do you, A, go down the Golden State route? Do you draft all of your um, key players, KD aside, develop a team, develop a culture and go that way? Um, or do you, and again, using the Nets, I know they, they did things earlier on to get into a position to land free agents, but the Nets went into a competitor after you know acquiring... Um, players in free agency and via trade so there's a there's a distinction and there's there's no wrong answer between them but they, they both get you to the desired place and I think what the Knicks have done in this offseason and and just before in hiring Leon Rose has assembled a front office and a coaching staff that's been impressive coaching staff Tibbs and the and the front office are all are all you know working in line and, and understand what's expected and there's been a culture change, there's more development and accountability and I think in the short term the Knicks need to stay the course, they don't they don't need to go out and, and give up whatever to land you know, um, Zach Levine or some middle in peace and again I'm not digging out Zach Levine I just think he's not the guy the, the, the end result here as you mentioned before, you know all, all Mets fans is you want that, that championship and you know, what do we want? Do we want to be the you know the Hornets from a few years ago, or the Pacers currently, where everything's stale? No, we want something that's built. We want we want something that that that's going to be sustainable for over a period of time. And there will be a point where the Knicks need to use their assets, and they need to right, get the right player, complementary player, and they don't want to end up like they did after the the trade in twenty eleven for Carmelo because. Carmelo was a you know top five, top ten player in the league. I don't think that's that that's um, a hot take. And yeah. I think that the Knicks, the Knicks failed him. He's my he's my favourite Nick. And the Knicks failed during that that period of time to surround him with complementary pieces. Aside from the year where they had uh, good veterans on the team and and they delivered. So again, in a roundabout way, I would say that there's no wrong way to build it. I think the Knicks are on a course where development and staying the course at the moment is the right thing to do. I'm fully aware that they will need to use some of these assets and get a star player, as, as we all mentioned earlier. You don't win a championship unless you're the Detroit Pistons, who, who, who are the outlier without a star player or a couple of star players in the current NBA. The one problem and the one thing I would cite, and again, I'm not, I'm not digging out the nets. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not digging out reporters, but there is a difference between the way the Knicks get covered and the way the Nets get covered and some other teams in the NBA. There is a... Uh, the, the, the reporters seem to be a lot harder with the Knicks and um, I'm not sure the rebuild um, that the Nets did would have been taken as it was by the New York media if that was the Knicks. The Knicks get hammered on a daily basis. And um, I think there is that external pressure and Leon Rose is going to have to sort of push that to one side. And um, as I say, I think stay the course, remain patient. And hopefully we get into that position where we can land that, that, that star player and we've got a, you know, a culture, we've got a brand of basketball that delivers a championship. 
to Mark, I'm, gonna clicks, jump isn't in. It? I'm just going to jump in. Obviously, you yeah. mentioned kind of free agency and stuff, and obviously I'll bring you in here as well, Scott. Just going to looking at the next upcoming free agents. I count about ten or eleven players now. Some of them do have team options: Mitchell Robertson and Ignas Bradzikis. Uh, you can maybe correct me if I've said that wrong, but I mean, like in terms of names, Derek Rose is there, Alec Buck, uh, Alec Buck, sorry, Nellens Noel, Alfred Payton, Frank Nelikina, Reg Bullock, Taj Gibson. Former Nets favourite, Bill Pinson, and then Jared Harper. So, how, how do you kind of consider that position heading into free agency, knowing that you've got, I mean, looking at the kind of cap, there's maybe about 30 million there kind of combined from then. How much do you think that can really help you form the next team? Well, I've, Scott mentioned it before, and I don't want to step on Scott's toes, but the, the, the Knicks have um, cap flexibility. They have assets. And I think what, what this year's been is Tibbs assessing the roster, assessing what he's got, and, and the coaching staff assessing what they've got. They've, they've hired someone in the front office, Brock Aller. You, you may or may not know him. He, he goes under the radar. It's only the other day that I first saw a picture of the guy. But <laughs> he's, he ranks every single player and every single asset. And you'll see those trades where, you know, the Knicks will acquire a player to get, to get second-round picks. And they've, they've, they've done that in a way where they're just accumulating this, these assets because they, they will do something. And when you mention about, um, obviously, the free agents, I think the Knicks haven't wanted to commit on anybody because, you know, what, what the Knicks have done in previous years is overpaid for people. You know, whether we can have the argument that um, Hardaway Jr. Was, was overpaid. I mean, it looks more reasonable now. We'll take a few steps back to Mary Stoudemire, you know, um, the, the Knicks gave him the bag and you know it, it, the Knicks have for as long as I've followed the team have been in a position where they've got negative salary whether it be you know stretching Joakim Noah or you know some other terrible moves and and, and it's about now that the Knicks have you know the cap is taking the, the salary cap's taking care of itself now you've got people in the front office who are smart who are using that and sort of weaponizing the, the cap space and, and using things to create assets and i think um the fact that there's a lot of free agents that won't surprise me the key one is that julius randall's locked up next year you've got rj barrett who's going to get them he's going to get the bag and and i think i'm not convinced mitchell robinson's there long term again it's not a hot take i just don't think the knicks will pay him the amount of money that he will no doubt ask for when, um, realistically, when is the big man the best player on the team and they've won a championship? Um, you know, you're looking at really outliers, you know, your Shaqs and in the NBA, you, what, you, you know, you've got Jokic, yeah, but are they going to win a championship? Probably not. You know, Cal Towns on the Timberwolves for the West Team of the League. Um, the outlier again is Joel Embiid. Are they going to win the championship? I'm sure you guys hope they don't. Um, but as I say, Long answer, but I think the Knicks have, have flexibility um, and they've got an ability to assess the roster, get players that they like and maintain flexibility until they, there is a free agent or there is a trade target you want out of the current team. Nice. Yeah, really, really good points. And um, yeah, there, there's always a couple of ways to go when it comes to rebuild. And I think you, you, the Knicks are probably in a better position than the Nets were um, to start a rebuild. Um, so yeah, we shall see. But I think that's enough uh, sensible basketball chat for, for the time being. Um, I saw you guys did the same. We asked uh, on Twitter and in our Discord channel, 
things you always wanted to ask a Knicks fan uh, and things you always wanted to ask a Nets fan. Um, this is where it gets a little bit less professional and a little bit more. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll just let the we'll let the questions speak for themselves. I'm I'm going to go first. Uh, this was from Tyler in our Discord, and it says to the Knicks fans, "How do you motivate yourself every season, despite knowing it will ultimately be another wasted seven months you'll never get back?" And I guess that's like, how have you? How do you keep going with with coming back year after year and and sticking with this team? As a fan of a team, no matter what sport it's in, you take the good and the bad, even if sometimes the bad's awful. Because, as you know yourself, being a sports fan, it's totally different than being everywhere else. I mean, I ask my wife, she says all I do is watch sport and tweet about sport and talk about sport, and she gets fed up with me. Even my son says I talk too much, and he's 18. So it's just one of the things. I mean, I know we're bad. I know we've all been great recently, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap it for anything else because that's my team and they've been my team for since the early 90s. So I'm not going to suddenly change it because somebody's won and another team wins. That's just not me. I might be different for other people. But if the next time I win another championship, I've never seen one a championship. I'm not seeing them win one because it was 73. But if I don't win one, I've never seen one in one. I'm not going to say I'll be disappointed, but I'm never going to say I, I wish I swapped somebody else because next time I'm a team and they're always going to be my team. So you can say to Tyler, seven month. A happiness, one loser draw. Scott, Good answer. you're crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in all in all seriousness, uh, um, I've I've been a football fan since I was a kid. Um, I would go home and away watching Wigan Athletic, um, and I've you know I've seen them lift the FA Cup at Wembley. I've been, I mean, I've been to Slovenia and I've been all over Europe uh, watching them for my sins. But there was nothing quite like stepping in MSG and that feeling um, I loved it and I was hooked ever since and the Knicks have been I mean I've watched Lou Amundsen play centre I've watched I've watched Sveds uh, I've watched some really terrible basketball and I've watched some players who quite literally shouldn't be in the NBA and the, the thought that the Knicks are one day going to be good I, I've got receipts I'm going to be insufferable when the Knicks are good on Twitter <laughs> because the disrespect, we've heard it all. We've yeah, heard yeah. it all and it's coming. Our time is coming, baby. Tyler, you're the first. <laughs> <laughs> what, what sort of stuff did you get from your guys for us, Lot? Um, go on, Scott. I'll let you go first. Uh, who, anybody can answer that. Somebody sent me a question saying, why the Knicks? And also... I'll just get. A, I'll just actually get a question up, right, so I can actually see what he's actually said. No, it's just gonna be why is the nets? No, why, <laughs> why? 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 Why do you follow the nets? And do you think moving from New Jersey to Brooklyn expanded your fan base? Yeah, I'll go for this one completely. I mean, you. We did lose quite a lot of fans when we moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, just due to the the factor that they did move, which happens in any move in the NBA. You'll always see. A loss of fans but in terms of the Nets as a franchise I think anyone that worked for the team that moved over from New Jersey to Brooklyn will admit that it was the best thing that they've ever done purely because of the market that it created if you look at the market that the Brooklyn Nets have compared to the New Jersey Nets you just have to see the opportunities that have arisen since that moment and it has been night and day to be honest with you in terms of kind of why I'm a fan for the Nets I, I 
I'll be guilty and say that it was due to the fact that I went on holiday to New York. I was a basketball fan and I was just immediately attracted to the idea of Brooklyn. Not just the, the team itself, but the, the grittiness and just the type of character that comes out of it. I'm a big fan of kind of your R&B, hip-hop music. And the Brooklyn Nets just came along naturally to that. And the way that they carry themselves as an organisation does kind of link it link back to those original roots. I don't know about you boys, but I just think that the way the Nets carry themselves as an organisation completely links to Brooklyn as a place. Yeah, nice. We, so we got another one for you guys. This is from Dexy. Um, that was on Twitter. So he says, do you get any enjoyment out of seeing the Nets as a greater force these days? I'm a Nets fan, but I'm honestly really enjoying what the Knicks are doing this year, as I love the idea of a rivalry between the teams rather than watching the mismanagement of recent years. So, so I, I open this pod saying that, you know, it's nice to see the Knicks doing well. Is, is there any reciprocated love there at all? <laughs> Mike, <shaking his> head. <laughs> I will say I don't I don't watch the Nets. I'm being honest. I don't I only watch the Nets. Sometimes I watch the Bills. I have a soft spot for the Bills because I'm Michael Jordan. And I like Steph Curry, so maybe I'll watch the Warriors. And I don't mind Portland because I Dane Willard, but I don't watch the Nets unless I put in the Knicks. So but I will give the guys a bit of respect. You're a good side. So and I'm not jealous of your success because I'm a Knicks fan, so I hope you don't have any success. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the truth. But I, I respect your team. No, there's, uh, uh, you know, they've got, what do you want me to say? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 yeah, I respect what, what, what Marx has been able to do and, and um, I respect that they've been able to land these players and they put a brand of basketball on the, on the floor that, that it, you know is pushing them. They're probably the the form team in the NBA. I mean, I've not looked at the you know the records of the recent records, but I presume that's right. They've been on a tear, haven't they? Particularly on the West Coast. Um, I wanted Knicks. I wanted Knicks Nets rivalry. Um, I would prefer it if the Knicks were the uh, better team and had the better records. Um, but uh, you know, at the, at the same time, I. And I want probably a nice little link over to my next question. My, my gripe with the Nets, and full disclosure, is the way that the Nets are marketed and the Nets, the way that the, they try and portray themselves to the rest of the league, that this is an organic franchise. This is, this is a franchise that, you know, we respect, you know, our, our roots or whatever. And you've got that. Uh, that group of fans, albeit they were very, they weren't, they weren't well supported in New Jersey, who were completely left behind and abandoned by, you know, Jay Z and whoever else was owning the Nets at the time, and that that's what my, does that ever get to you that the, you know, the the throwing, you know, Biggie out there, yes, he was born in Brooklyn, he was a rapper, but was there any real link to the Nets? Does that ever bother you that that that's the route they've gone down? I'll, I'll take this one. I mean, as a kind of recent. Nets fan, I've only supported the team for the past two or three seasons, and I mean, I'd like to see them a bit of a good luck charm, given how things have went for the Nets, <laughs> um, and I think I just avoided getting called a bandwagoner, given the season I joined, so, I mean, it's not something I've really given too much thought into, I know the, the kind of biggie links, born in Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm sure he, he was actually a Nets fan, uh, he certainly wasn't a, a Brooklyn Nets fan, because we didn't exist when, when he was about, and yeah, it's a bit weird to kind of see us celebrate that, I think 
regarding the marketing, I'd actually say the marketing that the Nets do, and I'm not just saying this as a Nets fan, as someone who's got a keen kind of interest in that kind of field, is the Nets do a really good job of marketing players. Um, I think we've seen with D'Angelo Russell, I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, he also had a fantastic season in what was ultimately his final season with the club. But I think the way the Nets managed to kind of build that kind of culture that season really up the stock of many players. So whilst many would see it as they're just blowing smoke up players' arses and just making things out a bit better than they are, I think the Nets, whilst, yeah, maybe they are doing that a bit, maybe they do take things a bit to the extreme as, uh, as far as some people would like. But I think the way that they do it, it is a way that a lot of teams would like to see their own team marketed. I think Knicks, I can't say... I see the next being as high on, also every team's high on the player, but just the way it's, there's just a kind of different feel. We also had the kind of dancing, dancing bench a few years ago. You've got the kind of ringleader of that and, and Theo Pinson now. And I mean, like, I think the thing that's arced me probably more than the kind of links to the past has been the, maybe the way the culture's been decimated, if you like it, given the kind of way we've went with the KD and Kyrie sign and obviously the Harden sign. I think that's, that certainly rubbed a, a lot of fans up the wrong way just because what was being built was really nice. I think every fan could feel a real connection to the team. They kind of went through the struggles. It was their team. The, the players were most like the team for a few years. You've seen them come good, and it was like they were like our kids, if you like. And obviously, Karis LeVert is now away at the Pacers. Jarrett Allen is now in Cleveland, unfortunately. And I mean, yeah, you just look at some of those players, and it's sad to think, well, yeah, these boys are going to miss out and they were the ones that started it. But I think at the same time, you've got to remember sport, like everything is a business, you've got to make some business decisions. You're going to make decisions people don't like. And with regards to kind of what Aiden was saying, with like the, the move from New Jersey, you're never going to please anyone, regardless if they'd stayed. I think there'd been people upset. There'd been folk in Brooklyn that then wouldn't have supported the team. And I mean, I think teams sometimes maybe need a bit of a boost. I wouldn't say it's something we see often in kind of football, but moves in US sports are something that's a bit more commonplace. And I think as far as the Nets are concerned, and I think Ian was spot on in saying it's probably the best thing the Nets have done done recently because it completely revitalised the franchise. And yeah, you just need to look at where we are now and where we're ideally headed. So, so yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Can just, I? Uh, sorry, I, I, I know. Sorry, no. I was going to say. I was just going to tag on to what, um, what what was said because my my guy Derek, shout Derek, who's a Knicks fan, another proud Scotsman. I've got to say, we, there's a lot of Scotsmen who uh, love love basketball. It's really popular. But um, he he asked what what was it like going from a real gutsy team that was fun to root for um, to having a team of superstars who quite clearly are chasing a ring. And not really bothered about the franchise you play for. Well, you get this one, Matt. Um, uh, fucking brilliant. Like, I think, like, <laughs> I think I, I made the comparison. Like, it, it's like it's like finding your favorite coffee shop, right? So you, everyone's got these. Like before, obviously, COVID hit. You've got your like favorite little coffee shop that's like a little independent place. They do like they really really care about their coffee, and they come through and you get you chat to the people behind the counter and they you know your order and it's a real nice kind of vibey place to be and then you've got places like starbucks right who produce good enough coffee like that but their business model is absolutely off the chain right we've gone from being in the business of being that independent coffee shop but now we're trying to be starbucks and 
I think you do you it's inevitable that you do forfeit a little bit of those vibes and a little bit of that culture to win but I think you know like I think it's just uh we're in the business within it especially in the NBA like everyone every team's legacy is on winning every superstar increasingly their legacy is built on winning and you're nothing if you haven't won a chip um all that kind of stuff so I think we've kind of said it a little bit touched on it before but I think as much as it's it's, it's sad to see those you know that kind of culturey teams of you know that kind of that 1819 team or that even the, the last year's team I think you see you see that culture it the culture hasn't gone it's just evolved and I think we've we've gone from that kind of losing culture to a rebuilding culture to a, a scrappy culture to a oh shit we made the playoffs kind of culture to okay now we need to create these winning habits and we've attracted all these superstars and and now it's we're just leveling up and we're just kind of evolving as a franchise and I think we'll it's it's just it's a chapter those you know those those, those culture years of you know the, the bench mob years um will forever be treasured I think by Nets fans and if I see Theo Pinson leading that dance on a Knicks bench ever like I will lose my mind I think there will be a certain part of me that dies inside um but yeah I, I can't I can't speak for these guys but I'm I'm absolutely at peace with it I think if you, if you get want the chance Theo. Sorry, you want Theo. <laughs> now if you, if you get the chance Matt actually wrote a fantastic article about the Nets comparison to a coffee shop on the UK Nets fans um website which is fantastic well worth a read but yeah I'm gonna ask something just Potentially a wee bit silly now, because just for a bit of fun. Um, this is a question that came from me directly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if, um, <laughs> let's let's bring him out there because he's not been mentioned yet. Chris that's Porzingis, right? So Porzingis, let's imagine that he never played for the Knicks. He never played for the Knicks. He's just an NBA player. Mark Cuban phones up. He phones up the Knicks and he goes, right, we really like Julius Randle. We'll offer you a straight swap for Przingis for Julius Randle. What do you guys say? Martin, you can have nah. it. You're Przingis, nah. the biggest fan. <laughs> nah, no way. No, no. He's that, too that, injury that, prone. That, that fraud on his brother can stay in Dallas. No, I think he... I, I mean, he's... He, you know... He, he, when he came for the... When he started out for the Knicks... He was a, a bit of a sensation in what was a franchise that had, you know, you know, an old team, and the, you know they'd had a, I think it was 17 wins the year before. I actually watched them against the Bucks in in London that year. Oh my goodness, they flipping rolled out Carmelo on a, you know, on a, <laughs> you know, in a wheelchair because he he was on one leg, and you know, it, I mean, it was it was a really terrible game. But um, no, poor Zingis, no way. I mean, Randall is a better all-round player. No, nope. you, you know he's a better shooter. He's a better defender. He, you know he's he, he plays the best uh, abilities, availability, isn't it? So, yeah, Scott, are you with me? I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. I thought it'd be a quick answer. I thought it'd be a quick answer, but I, a couple of years ago he was uh, Mr. King of New York. But it appears that that's 
that's changed hand in your eyes to Julius Randle, according to the last few pods that I've listened to. So. Yeah, he's very high maintenance for Zingas, plus his brother's a bit of a nutter and he's injury prone, so that's three points. Yeah, yeah. You go, if you go across the Brooklyn Bridge, though, there's some quite good players over there. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more. I got one last one. Um, so how many... T- this is from Paul Mack, who is an who we call Iron Man in our next Discord um, because he stays up for every single game. Um, I don't know how he does it, but uh, one last one. How many tins of Mr. Sheen does it take to clean the TV ratings trophy and back page of the New York Post Cup? Because there seems to be a lot of chat from Knicks fans saying, yeah, well, look, look at this back page spread that the Knicks are always getting. This is a Knicks town. I think is, is that do you really take comfort in there there are more would you rather like own New York than win chips? To be honest with you, I was listening to Evan Roberts the other day. I don't know if you've heard Evan. He's gonna cut a podcast. He's a big Nets fan. And even he, does, he turned yeah. round he, he turned around and said, even when the Nets he said when and on sorry, he said if not when if the Nets won a championship, he said even then I'll still be in New York. New York will still be the next town. He said it's always gonna be that way. And he said it probably comes through because you originated from Jersey and you moved to Brooklyn and whereas there was a lot of Knicks fans originally in New York anyway. And they, like I said, probably like myself, they're a lot older, so they won't jump ship. But uh, it's just the way, as a media, uh, we always feel the media anti-Knicks. So because when the next one, we get a lot of criticism. So it's just a way back. It's a bit like banter. It's a bit of, we'll have to give you something back. We can't say we're better at the moment because that's not true. So we get back, well, we're the biggest team in New York. We get the most headlines, blah, blah, blah. And that might be true, but it's just a bit to get back. As you know, if you're, you follow a team and somebody's giving you a bit of abuse, you say whatever you can say just to get something back. Sensible answer. You've got people in the media, Max Kellerman, whoever else, jump ship. You know, we're not winning the Knicks. They're a car crash. James Dolan, you know, we hear it every day. Rachel Nichols, whoever else you want to say on all the different, you know, different channels. The Knicks get killed daily. And the, as you said, it's one of those things. It, there's no debate. New York, the, the boroughs, it, it, it's a Knicks town. It, it, it is. It always will be. And next daily, if you're listening, you know, I just, you know, I mean, that guy's a Knicks fan, right? Everybody knows that. He, he goes on about the Knicks as though he's, you know, he's, if he's sat at home and he's got Ewing on a poster. That, I mean, there's an obsession and... I just think that, um, yeah, it's, it's a Knicks town and Iron Man, you know, it, it, it gets the Nets fans. I get it. it this jealousy. Net, I, get, I Nets, get it. Nets daily gets a reaction out, though. He, he yeah, gets, gets a reaction right, out, you yeah. guys. You've got to give him that. That's all he cares about is the clicks there. And he gets them at the Knicks. Can I ask a question? Sure. Yeah. Right, now you sign Blake Griffin, right? Do you think he's been signed because KD's injury is worse than it is? Or, or also, if KD comes back and plays Griffin's there, you've got Jeff Green there, what's going to happen to somebody like Nicholas Claxton, who I really like as a player? Do you think his minute will dwindle and he might get, end up being traded? Or... Good question. I mean, I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, signing someone like Blake Griffin, regardless of what his role was in a team like the Pistons, is always going to impact other players' minutes. And I think guys like Jeff Green will certainly see a slight reduction. But 
you have to remember that obviously KD has had that injury, but guys like Jeff Green have had an injury as well, and it may seem worse than it actually is. So, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't read in too much to the KD stuff. I mean, the next injury staff, you probably, you guys probably don't see it as much as us. No. They are the most cautious team in the league in terms of injuries. They they tend to maybe keep a two-day injury out for a couple of weeks just to play it safe. Um, but yeah, it would be disappointing if someone like Nick Claxton did lose minutes. We're uh, all three of us are huge fans of Nick Claxton. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're all in the same boat in terms of if you can get the opportunity to sign a guy like Blake Griffin, you have to do it, and it doesn't matter on the implications of the team if you get something you not, like that for free. Are you not quite thingy, but quite? I'm not saying you've got a good enough side to probably challenge if not win it. So Griffin's not going to make a big difference. You might because mm. offensively you're scoring points. You know what I mean, constantly. So somebody like Nick Claxton missing minutes, or maybe getting disoriented to saying, "Night, I'm gonna get maybe any, any minutes." Can I maybe? His agent might come in and say he wants a move or whatever. Do you know, know disappointing more? Because he's somebody that you could, he could be there for a long time. Whereas Griffin's not. Griffin's just going to come for about 10, 15 minutes a game if that does, does what he does and earn a big load of money. I mean, I think going on the Claxton stuff, we kind of discussed have the next mortgage, the future, and kind of trading everyone away. I think we're all quite, uh, quite sure that Nick Claxton's future for the next. And I think certainly the team all seem really keen on him. And of course, if, if a trade comes and it's a good trade for the team, we know Sean Marks will make that. But I can't help but think Nick Claxton's going to be a player for the next, uh, sorry, for the Nets for the next <laughs> 10 years, if not longer. <laughs> and yeah, certainly hope he doesn't go to the Nets. I'd be very disappointed to see him blossom uh, over the other side of, of, the, uh, of the, the water. But yeah, I mean, Clax, he, he might suffer in terms of minutes, but Griffin's only on a deal until the end of the season. I think this was. Maybe just uh, oh look at us. We can bring him in. We'll just overkill just just because we can. It, it's fun. He he's watching a championship, and I was watching an interesting video on YouTube about how people were bashing Nick Batum, and obviously we've been like the PJ Tucker, and he's been battered since Batum went to his new team. He's kind of recovered, and I think there's been quite a lot of talk about can these kind of championship chasing players just get back to normal form, they come into a good team and they do well. Has it just been a case all along that they wanted out of their current situation so they've just purposely done a bit poorly? So, I mean, Griffin will know his kind of knee problems and whatnot, but I think if you're considering he's maybe a 10th or 11th person on your on your rotation, I mean, there's, there's probably not many better 10th or 11th rotation players out there in the league than Blake Griffin, a six-time all-star. Injuries or not, I think... Griffin, if he comes, gives 10, 15 points a night off the bench, I think he'd quite happily take that. If he can show any kind of signs of kind of Lob City Clippers, Griffin, I think we'll be absolutely laughing. But, I mean, Claxton, I love him to pieces. We all do here. And I think Claxton probably won't suffer as much as I think people looking from the outside in would imagine. Claxton can also play multiple positions. So I think that that probably helps him. Nice. I think we've, we've, we've gone a good couple of we're, we're closing in on two hours so i think we're going to wrap it there we could keep on keep going and going and going i think but lads it's, it's been absolute pleasure talking to you guys i think we're going to have to do this cross town crossover maybe at the end of the season once we've uh, had our yeah. slit, slit games um i think you, you may be right where it's a nick city but it's a nets world um <laughs> so i will see hopefully see you guys again soon and uh yeah thanks for thanks for doing this one no bother it's been good thanks a lot take care matt Thank you for inviting us. Take care. Here's here's for the next next playoff matchup. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Play in Fabian. Take care, guys.